Hi, I'm Jason Nichols, and I'm on the left. And I'm Vince Colonnese, and I'm on the right. And, and if, if we, we can't, can't find, find common, common ground, ground in this world, world today, today, then we're all just travelers. Passing each other in an international airport. In this great American experiment. We'll be relegated to the trash bin of history. So let's come together. To debate without yelling. And, and let's, let's save, save this, this nation. nation. A provocative look back at the 2020 election ahead on Vincent Jason's Save the Nation. Vincent Jason Save the Nation is brought to you by Gold Co. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Vincent Jason Save the Nation. I'm Dr. Jason Nichols. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Vince Colonnese, and we've got a special guest and a special look at uh, an upcoming film that, that I think is really interesting. Vince, who do we have with us? Joining us today is a conservative filmmaker, Dinesh D'Souza, writer, director. Uh, you know him from so many of his films, and he's got a brand new one coming out that looks back at the 2020 election. It's called 2,000 Mules. For more on what that means, we turn to our guest, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, great to have you with us, sir. Thank you. Uh, terrific to be with you. I'm very excited about this film coming out next week. It's, you know, we're living in an age of censorship. So this film is coming out in a kind of a novel way. You can't see it the way you could see my normal films by going to Apple, uh, iTunes or Amazon Prime. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we have put the film on uncancelable platforms. Let's put it that way. Yes, including at your website, that's 2000mules.com. Can you explain for us what that means, uh, both Jason and I have seen the movie. Thank you for sending us yeah, a copy of it so that. we can take a look at this thing. Uh, you, you, you talk about it in the film. What does it mean, 2,000 mules? Right, so a mule, the term, of course, kind of comes out of drug trafficking or sex trafficking. Uh, a mule is a kind of go-between. And here we're talking about ballot trafficking. Um, and ballot trafficking is the, um, is the um, um, when you have a paid political operative, that's the mule. And what the mule is doing is taking illegal or fraudulent votes and dropping them en masse in mail-in drop boxes. And we have two separate uh, lines of investigation. One is uh, geo-tracking, which is the tracking of the movement of cell phones. You can kind of see these mules do it by watching their cell phones move from Dropbox to Dropbox to Dropbox. <clears throat> and the other line of evidence is video. Uh, and by video, I'm talking about the official surveillance video of the states themselves. So when you put those two together, you get a pretty clear picture of this mule operation, which is occurring in all the five key swing states. So the 2000 number that you arrived at, in the film you explain that that's based on drilling down to the people who visit the most drop boxes and who also happen to have contact with some nonprofit organizations. Although in the film, I don't think you name the nonprofit groups. I'm, I could be wrong. Uh, we don't. And, then, and then you also show um, the surveillance footage that pairs up with these cell phones, right? It, can you give us the numbers on how you decided on the 2000? Yeah, it's literally a very simple math. There were about 240 mules in Atlanta, about 200 in Arizona, about 100 in Michigan, 1,100 in Philadelphia. Uh, and then I forget how many in, in, in Wisconsin, that's in the movie, of course. You just add up the number and you're over 2,000. So that's where we get the 2,000 mules. But remember that these are mules who went to 10 or more drop boxes. They're the most you know, hardworking or industrious mules. The moment you change the search algorithm and drop it to say five drop boxes, a whole bunch of other mules pops up. So the 2,000 mules is a ridiculous undercount of the actual number of mules. So 
I just wanted to, well, first of all, uh, as a filmmaker, I'll congratulate you on the film. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, just the, the texture and the lighting. And I mean this as a compliment. It felt like an episode of CSI, you know? <laughs> so I actually Well, uh, you know, honestly, that. That, that means a lot. Thank you. Because yeah, I, yeah. I pride myself on making good films, not just on unfurling information, but telling it in a compelling way. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, I, I now I did think that the film had a couple of specious leaps in it. Um, now, first of all, I do think it's important for uh, our audience to know that in Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina, and Michigan, specific people can collect ballots. And in Wisconsin, it's unspecified in the law. And in Pennsylvania, it has to be chosen by the voter. So in a lot of those cases, not, these people that you're calling mules, and, and you made the reference to drug mules, uh, which is an illegal practice, some of this is actually legal, correct? Wrong. Here, here's the point. The, you're talking about vote harvesting, uh, and there's actually a subtle but critical difference between vote harvesting and ballot trafficking. Now, okay. there are about 20, 26 states in the country that allow some form of vote harvesting. California, for example, allows you or me to give our ballot to anyone and say, hey, you go drop it off, uh, and that's allowed. Now, in the states that we're looking at, vote harvesting is much more restricted. So let's look at Georgia. If you look at the Georgia law, it's very clear. You can give your ballot to a family member or you can give your ballot. If you're right. in a caregiver facility, you can give your ballot to a caregiver. But right. the point I wanna make is once you pay a mule, once money enters into the ballot delivery process, the vote is automatically corrupted. And that is illegal in all 50 states. In California, right. if I were to say to but, you, go drop off my vote and I'm going to pay you 50 bucks to do it, that's a fraudulent vote that cannot be counted. So no, what absolutely. we're describing but, in the movie, all those mules, all, the, all that ballot, balloting is illegal. Right. So th that was, I think, one of the things that I, I didn't think, and Vince, maybe you can uh, maybe you had a different view of it, but when I saw it, I didn't feel like the money connection was strongly established. Now, you, you mentioned people like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, possibly being behind funding this. Is, is that a fair characterization? Yeah, I'm not implying. I mean, we want to be really clear here because we what we're doing in the movie is we're sort of working our way backward, right? We're starting with the mail and Dropbox were saying, where did these mules get their ballots? Well, they seem to have got them from these left-wing organizations. Now, by the way, True the Vote, the research organization that did this work, they have a list of all these organizations. I've seen them. We didn't put them in the movie in part because it's a, you know, movies can only do so much, but True the Vote is happy to turn over that list to the FBI that, or to the I authorities. I think that's really important though, to establish the money part, because as you said, uh, you know, ballot collection, is actually legal in, in a lot of these states. So, so the money element is is the important one. Well, here's, and that's where I think you you were lacking when you're talking about Mark Zuckerberg and no, you know, no, no. the SEIU. You're, you're, you're talking, we're confusing two different types of money. No one denies that the mules are being paid. We have whistleblowers who said that they got $10 a ballot. We have mules who are taking photos of themselves as they drop the ballots in. By the way, not selfies, not one of those I voted photos, but they're, they're taking photos of the ballots going into the drop box. Now think about it, who does that? Who takes photos of themselves putting in yeah. five or 10 ballots into a drop box? I think when you see the movie, you begin to get the clear sense that what's going on is well, not only illegal, <laughs> but it's criminal. 
in the, yeah, see but, that, but that part, been, okay, that part ahead, I agree. Uh, that that part I agree, Dinesh. Very, very suspicious. It's very strange to take a picture of the box and and not just not the selfie where people are proud that they voted that kind of thing. But here's the thing, and I Jason but not established. That's that's my no. My that's thing. right. Not you know, I, I think it's fine to say okay, this looks suspicious. Yes. But to to you know at at the end of the the film, and I don't want to give you know the film away, but at the end of the film, Dinesh is clear. This election was stolen. Now, now again, and I just want to say really quickly that you mentioned um, the true the vote people, and uh, I believe uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, uh, Engelbrecht. I hope I said her name correctly in the film, uh, but she actually is quoted as saying, "There's no way to know who these votes were cast for," as did Seb Gorka actually said it. In the film as well so we don't actually know that this was some democrat conspiracy and and a lot of what you named in the film you actually were talking about republicans who were committed these these acts like uh like in the ninth uh district of georgia uh excuse me uh north, north carolina, carolina. Mm -hmm. and, and, in, and in a couple other cases that i could probably name you know uh miami dade where they were switching people's party affiliation and going after the vulnerable people who were who spoke English as a second language. You know, I, I think that it's just not, it doesn't have the smoking gun that that it claims to have. That that was my issue with it. And I think, you know, just as a critique, Dinesh, just real quick, and I'm, I'm sorry, Vince, I know, I, I know I'm kind of taking up your time, but just as a critique, I think if you had framed this film as this is about democracy, this is about fairness of elections, not about, this is the Democrats stealing elections. Maybe people like me could have been swayed like, hey, maybe we need to shore up certain things with our election laws. Maybe there are things that need to be done. But you made it a finger pointing exercise without really clearly establishing some of these links that you claim to have. And that was my issue with the film. Sorry, Vince, I, I, I just had to get that well, I'll let, okay. let Dinesh respond to you first, and then I want to get sure. into some of these points. Yeah, there are, well, you've raised so many issues. I'm a little unsure where to begin, but look, um, we do trace a money trail in the film, money flowing to nonprofit groups coming from left-wing donors, billionaires, uh, not, uh, foundations, and so on. Here's the point. Um, nonprofit groups, many of them, by the way, 501c3 organizations, are forbidden by law from engaging in explicit electioneering. They can, in a generic sense, sort of exhort people to vote, but you can't um, run a partisan vote collection operation for any particular candidate or party. Now, what is the way? I can't think of a way that 400,000 legal votes would somehow magically end up with these left-wing organizations embedded in cities like Atlanta or Phoenix or Milwaukee or Philadelphia. So these are left-wing organizations hiring left-wing Antifa-type operatives to deliver these votes in the middle of the night. I don't somehow think that these are likely to be Trump votes. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's a big leap. Now, what Catherine Engelbrecht said, which is true, is that as a clinical matter, you cannot go back and retrieve those votes. Why? Because when a mail-in vote comes in, it comes in in an envelope and the only name and signature is on the envelope. So the moment that you take the, the ballot out of the envelope, you've separated the two pieces of evidence and they can't be reconnected. So that's what she was referring to by right. saying that in that sense, you can't go back and sort of reverse engineer the process. Yeah. So, and, I, and I think that, 
Oh, let me let ahead, me raise Vince. a point. I, yeah, I want to raise a sure. point because you, Jason brought up minutes ago here uh, this idea that in some states it's of course permissible to bring a family member's ballot, for instance, to the ballot box, and that would be perfectly legal. And so as I'm watching the film, I'm thinking, okay, you you don't want somebody who's doing the right thing, who's just carrying their family member's ballot, to be caught up in Dinesh's film and kind of being the subject of this accusation. But the way that you seem to sort that out, Dinesh, in the movie, that as best I can tell, and obviously as you lay out is the only people who show up on camera in your movie, you say are people who visited many ballot boxes. Uh, so, so I have questions about that. When you say they visited many ballot boxes, do you mean in the very same night or do you mean over the course of many nights in the lead up to election day for one? Uh, I mean both. So for example, the data that True the Vote purchased was from October 1 through election day. Right. Mm -hmm. And in Georgia, they purchase data for the runoffs as well. So what you have is you have some mules on a single night going to 12 drop boxes in four different counties, in a sense, running a kind of mailman's route, but not to U.S. post boxes, but to mail in drop boxes. Now, that is necessarily a deliberate act, right? There's no accidental way to go to multiple drop boxes. And that's why they set through the vote, set the bar kind of high. Yeah. Because if you set two drop boxes, there could be some eccentric reason that you happen to tie your shoelace at the second drop box. But why is it? Why is it important to visit multiple drop boxes? If this is a criminal scheme, what's the importance of actually visiting multiple drop boxes to put these ballots in? The, the purpose is this. If you went to a single drop box and you dropped in 200 votes, the next morning, the election officers will open that drop box and they're supposed to make a, a chain of custody document counting the number of ballots in those drop boxes. So there will be a massive spike in this one drop box, right, immediately okay. creating suspicion. So the mules are instructed, three ballots here, five ballots there, 10 ballots yes. here. That's the reason for the rules. It's like, uh, in, it's like in Shawshank Redemption, when they're digging their way out, they got to put the dirt in the pants and then spread it all over the prison yard. They can't just like drop it in one spot or else they'll be, you know, everyone will be onto them. And then one other element here that I really have a question about and that I kept thinking throughout the movie, you show video of like people like hilariously trying to put ballots in and dropping them all over the place. It's like there's like some great, great footage. It's government footage. But I was waiting to see video of the same person at a different location doing it again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see that in the film. I was hoping right. that there'd be at, see. Oh, my gosh, there's the same exact guy at a completely different location dropping ballots into boxes. Do you have video footage like that? Well, let me tell you, we don't. And let me tell you why that is. Because the states were notoriously delinquent in installing this video. In other words, the election rules call for it. It's right there in the guidelines. You need to have surveillance video. The cost of surveillance is very low. There's surveillance all over the country in parking lots everywhere, right? Right. But we were, with, at, by the way, at great difficulty able to extract a considerable amount of video in Georgia, some video in Arizona, some in Michigan. In Wisconsin, they said we'll do it, but they didn't. Even in Georgia, it's very spotty. So here's the problem. You know, let's say the mule is Dinesh. You can follow Dinesh going to 12 drop boxes, but there's only video on one of them. There's yeah. Dinesh, sure enough, it, just as the geo tracking shows, Dinesh turns up, you can see him dropping the ballots, but then you go to the next drop box, whoops, no video. So our problem is arises not from our lack of diligence, but from the scarcity of video, which I'm confident you would see if they had done their job and established proper surveillance video everywhere. So um, that actually leads me to, to two questions. One is kind of a, a minor one and one is a, a larger one. So I just want to clarify, 
many of so these ballots there's no claim that these ballots are were somehow fake or somehow manipulated it's just that these people were taking them to collecting them and taking them for money to these different drop boxes that that is the claim correct no i, I think you're making the opposite assumption you're assuming that there is some way in which nonprofit groups which are by the way forbidden from electioneering somehow got their hands on hundreds of thousands of legal legitimate votes and then for reasons unknown paid these mules and said, guys, you do it at night, make sure that you wear a hoodie, um, make sure that you wear gloves so you don't leave your fingerprints. I mean, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. So that's that's my second question. And that is about the gloves. Um, so, you know, there, there is that video, which actually wasn't from the 2020 election. I understand that was actually from 2021 from the runoff in Georgia. So some of this, you know, it, it's based on the 2020 election. But some of the video isn't from the 2020 election, and that I found that to be a little, a little, a little, you know, questionable. But well, at the same time, let, let me just ask this question, and that is that, that just, uh, that, Jason, for what for what it's worth, that's not a point they conceal in the movie. They say it outright. No, 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 they do. They they yeah, absolutely yeah. say that. That's how I know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's not like it's not well, like and I went let me and add, Let me add a thought. That. Let me add but, a thought, if I may, which is that yeah. it's actually very useful to have. Um, geo-tracking from the runoff because you can see the same mules who operated in the election uh, returning for the runoff. So, and in fact, you can see the same mule not wearing gloves in the beginning and wearing gloves after the time when there were arrests in Arizona due to fingerprints. And then apparently the word went out, guys, you got to wear gloves because otherwise you're going to get busted. So, you know, what makes a story credible is when the details kind of fall into place. Uh, and so Wait, sure enough- you have, Dinesh, you have video of the same exact mule not wearing Yeah, I don't, I don't recall. Was that no. in the film? I'm just asking. I'm asking. Yeah. You do yeah, have yeah. video no, of I, I am too. I, I don't-, I don't I don't yeah, think I'm I gonna, recall I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to look. I'm going to look in our archive for that. You know, we. You're right. We only show the mule wearing gloves, and this right. was, I believe, from early January. And we obviously have plenty of video before the arrest where they're not wearing gloves. But whether we have a video of that same woman not wearing gloves, I'm going to check. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I. Yeah. That. That was because that I think would change a lot. A lot of this because. Because that would uh, demonstrate that she wasn't just COVID scared. Right. It would be like something was, changed. <laughs> something changed. Yeah, you yeah. stole my question here. I mean, there are people who are still spraying down their, their groceries. And there are people who, who didn't really have a full understanding of how COVID was trans, you know, was how you transmit COVID. Uh, she was also wearing a mask in that too. So there, you know, this could have been a COVID person a person who was really afraid of COVID <laughs> well, to well, touch let's remember let's remember a there was no one else around yeah and no, let's no. remember b but, but, but if you think if that, you think it but hold on Dinesh if you think it's that something that you touch will give you COVID then you're gonna wear gloves for the drop box you know what I mean so so that's you know why I think it could have been you know it could have been a COVID fear and I'm not sure that it's established. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying it's not really established that this was not a COVID person who's freaked out about mm. COVID. Uh, and, and, you know, it was specifically so that their fingerprints wouldn't be detected. Because I would assume that there are a whole lot of fingerprints on a, on a Dropbox. You know what I mean? It, it would well, be pretty difficult. Let's look at it to this way. If, if we were discussing right now a, a criminal case, 
there would be an obvious remedy, right? In other words, <laughs> you got these mules, we have their cell phone IDs, every cell phone has a distinctive ID. So True the Vote doesn't have the names of the 2000 mules, but they have their cell phone IDs. So if law enforcement steps in, all they have to do, and it won't be hard to get a warrant here, you basically unmask the mules, you have their names, and you go talk to them. That's kind of the next step we, I would call for after the movie, because if you go talk to the mules, see, we can't do that. I can't, I don't have the authority to show up, uh, but, 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 but the cops do. Uh, and what they do is they ask the mules, hey, listen, were you paid? How much? Who paid you? Who put you up to it? Who gave you those ballots? And the investigation proceeds from there. I'm not trying to uh, solve this problem judicially. I'm just pointing to the logical next step that I think needs to happen. Well, I do as wonder, an investigative thinking, journalist, you could do that. You, you could show up and say, hey, you know, if you have the evidence of who they are, yeah. as an investigative journalist, you certainly could ask them no, questions. What, like I was, that. what I was saying is that if you have a cell phone ID, as a private individual, I don't have the authority to get their name. Basically, right. the authorities will go to the, the cell phone provider and go, who's this guy? And they'll go, well, it's Dinesh D'Souza. That's the way it works. Law enforcement has the, they do it every day. Right. I mean, look, if there's a murder sure. in a park and there are five cell phones that are tracked in that park, uh, they unmask those people, they go interview them. They're probably all going to be suspects. It doesn't mean they all did it, but yeah. maybe one of them did it. Dinesh, you yeah. mentioned at the outset that this is an unusual movie, given the, the difficulty you have in distributing it. Certainly the topic is controversial itself. Um, can you explain the evolution in your thinking about this since the 2020 election? A lot of people have made claims of a stolen election. They pointed to all sorts of things, including voting machines themselves being manipulated. Uh, you know, and, and I noticed one of the things you do actually take some time out to do in the film is speak to conservative pundits who work with you as well at Salem. Uh, to to kind of get their impressions. And, and the truth is there's a range of impressions about what occurred in the 2020 election. And they all look, I think, they uh, they take this new evidence you bring to them and they're all very surprised by it. Um, what's the evolution in your own thinking about this issue? Well, I was uh, very distressed in the immediate aftermath of the election. I, I think like a lot of people sort of smelled a rat, but on the other hand, I recognized early on that a number of the claims that were made about fraud uh, didn't meet the high standard that you had to meet. In other words, they were episodic, not systematic fraud, uh, or they were anomalies. An anomaly is something that's odd, uh, but odd things do happen, and odd things sometimes have an adequate explanation. So as a result, I kind of went silent about that issue for over a year until I saw the findings of True the Vote, and then I realized, well, this is a different caliber of evidence because this is, first of all, it's, it's using common sense, right? Which by which I mean the rules changed around COVID. Suddenly all these mail-in drop boxes, suddenly tens of millions of, of mail-out ballots. So the hypothesis was that if there's gonna be cheating, isn't it likely that the fraudsters would go to where, where the vulnerabilities are? Uh, so in this movie, as you know, we don't deal with machine swapping or the Chinese. I just set all that to the side. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm not saying it did. I'm just like, I'm, I'm focusing on one type of fraud where I think that there is legitimate evidence that should be considered. And I think even a skeptic, even the most, even Jason, even a skeptical guy who doesn't believe it is going to go, there's something here. There's something here that warrants a much closer look. I don't think it's possible to leave the theater and not have that view if you see this movie with an open mind. So I guess... Um... And I don't, I'm trying to phrase this question the right way. 
without sounding like I'm trying to get into a rumble here. Uh, you know, but I, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. And, and I'll say it because, um, you know, being familiar with you and being familiar with your work in the past, um, and even some black conservatives who I respect, some of whom I know, like, uh, like Rob Woodson, or Bob, excuse me, Bob Woodson, and, and uh, you know, Glenn Lowry, who I don't know, but I certainly respect his work, even if I disagree with it, you know, uh, have left organizations like AEI because of some of the things that you've written in the past. You, uh, you know, you were a supporter of birtherism at some point, if that, if I'm not mistaken, is that correct? That's not correct. I, I never okay. supported the birther idea. My point is that Obama's ideology was imported from his father, which is what he says. Okay. Uh, not that he was ever, I never said that he was born in another country. Okay, that's fair. I'm, I'm glad you cleared that up because there are sources out there that say that that you were one of the proliferators of, of the birther conspiracy. I didn't know that for a fact, but that's that is out there. So I just want to say that. Um, you know, with that, do you think that some of that, in addition to, as Vince mentioned, and maybe more so, some of these people uh, who have put forth some really wild conspiracies, you know, the Lynn Woods of the world and the, um, what's the woman, Sidney Powell and the My Pillow guy and things that really aren't even plausible. Um, do you think that that hurts your case and your credibility with this uh, and that people aren't, you know, people who, who like me uh, are skeptical about this whole thing, but are, you know, would be willing if there's real evidence of voter fraud, would be willing to, to take a look at it. Do you think that those people, uh, I, I believe that people like Seb Gorka, who I know <laughs> is going to watch it and be like, hey, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. But do you think that maybe people in the center and people certainly on the left are going to dismiss it because they're like, this is another attempt at, you know, throwing something against the wall and hoping it sticks? Well, let me address the two points because they're separate. You know, um, I published a book in 1995 called The End of Racism, which did generate a lot of controversy. Um, Tom Sowell said it was the most important book since Gunnar Myrdal's An American Dilemma. And I was very puzzled that Glenn Lowry, kind of a hero of mine, um, broke with AEI and resigned over my book. Now, I, I want to be clear. I don't know if you've been following Glenn Lowry's statements, but of late, he said, I was he, Glenn Lowry, was going through some incredible personal difficulties. And he goes, I wanted to endear myself to the liberals. And I knew that if I bashed Dinesh D'Souza and I resigned from AEI, I would be welcomed with open arms on the left. And for about 10 years, Glenn Lowry pivoted to the left. But then he goes, this was like swallowing a frog. I couldn't take it. I'm sort of back in the conservative camp, which he is now. So I think when you, when you put the statements in context, you realize that this is a very odd situation with Glenn Lowry. I'm not gonna try to resolve it here. I just wanna point people to the fact that Lowry himself has admitted that the famous break with the right was motivated by a lot of personal considerations. By the way, I'm also very close. I was, when I was at AEI to Woodson, I talked to Bob Woodson. He goes, listen, I haven't read your book, Dinesh, but Glenn Lowry called me. He goes, I'm basically Glenn Lowry's sidekick on this. So this was a regrettable episode in my life. I was in my, of course, in my thirties when all of this happened. Let's just put that to the side. Your second point is actually, I think a legitimate one, which is, and it dismayed me and made me more reluctant to get in this topic which is lots of people have sort of 
queered the field, as they say, which is to say there have been some outlandish theories that have been put forward, uh, and it's made it more difficult to put legitimate arguments. And so I tried to solve that problem by, and people all, you know, these days are like, Dinesh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? The, don't you think that there was, why do you think they stopped the right. counting? And I'm like, listen, I don't know why they stopped the counting. I don't know why a bag appeared in Atlanta. I'm not trying to address any of that. I would like people to quote, forget everything you think you know about voter fraud when you see this movie. Just keep an open mind, keep your eyes open and connect your brain to your eyes. And I think you'll come to the correct conclusion. I think I think to add to the point that you're both making here is that also Donald Trump's lawyers didn't prevail in court so many times in the wake right. of the election. And as a result, I think there's been people both on the left, certainly on the left, because they were like, OK, this is stupid, Biden's president, and people on the right who are fearful of engaging this topic for fear that they will be, quote, canceled or pick your term. Um, so that, that they look back at that and go, man, even the guy who's, whose future was at stake couldn't prevail in court. So, so with, a with lot Trump, of there have been qu with quite Trump a few appointed people, judges too. That's, that's quite a another. few people have, have taken that conclusion and said, OK, for that reason, let's move on with this topic. But but you're saying like look, if the, if there's a pile of evidence in front of me that certainly looks like the, the American people deserve to know about it, I'm going to share it. Well, I mean, look at any other context, right? Let's say there's a crime, and let's say for whatever reason there is a two month window in which you have to absolutely prove the crime, and if you don't, the the statute of limitations expires, uh, and in a sense, legally nothing can be done about it. But DNA evidence emerges later that this guy did it. Don't yeah. you think it's valid to present that evidence and say, listen, whether or not we can do anything about it now, whether or not the legal window is closed, it's really important on an issue of this significance to know the fact of the matter. So I don't think in that sense, the movie needs a justification. Its justification is it's a truth seeking inquiry. Yeah. All right. Well, the movie is uh, 2000 Mules. It, it is, as I said at the outset, a provocative look back at the 2020 election. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza and the team at True the Vote come out with all of this data showing the cell phone patterns of people going around American cities. They show you government video footage as well. They synthesize it together and they present it in, a, as Jason pointed out, a very well uh, produced film package. Um, and uh, you can see it at 2000mules.com and it comes out May 7th of this year. And uh, there'll be basically endless ways for people to get access to it. Right, Dinesh? Yeah, it's not going to be the normal places like Apple um, and Amazon. Uh, it's going to be on uncancelable platforms. So Salem Now, which is the Salem media platform, but also the Rum Rumble, which is the video platform, has a platform called Locals. So on the Rumble-owned platform Locals, you'll be able to digitally download the movie and watch it. Yeah. I hope people talk about it. That's that's the key. And just have the conversation. If you hate this movie, let Dinesh know and give him specific reasons why. I think that's that's a, a good sign. Uh, thank you, Dinesh. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, sir. we we certainly appreciate you discussing the this uh, film with us. And and uh, you know, like I said, I, I have some skeptical thoughts, but I definitely appreciate the fact that you're willing to sit here and and discuss it with us. You know, we're a left right show and, and there are some people who are afraid to come on our platform, both on the left and the right. And we appreciate well, you. Guys, I've genuinely enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on and um, and check out the movie at 2000mules.com. That's the place to look for five different ways you can see it. How about yeah. it? Thanks. Dinesh. We hope you'll come back. Thanks a lot.